what I think we really need to do is be advocates and proponents for technology, but also remember that the people have to come first, that technology should serve the people, not the reverse. So that's what we hopefully, I believe, uh, made clear in our book, uh, Exploring Smart Cities, the activity book for kids. It's all about helping our cities thrive and the people in those cities thrive and prosper with smart cities and uh, finding a way, helping people and kids especially to see that they, they have a role in this future. Hi, smart community friends. In this episode of the Smart Community Podcast, I had the pleasure of speaking with both Jonathan Reichenthal and Brett Hofstadt, the co-authors of their new book, Exploring Smart Cities, Activity Book for Kids. Jonathan is the founder of Human Future, an advisory investment and education firm. He also creates online education for LinkedIn Learning. He's written two books on the future of cities, Smart Cities for Dummies, which you may remember that I was the technical reviewer for, and of course, Exploring Smart Cities Activity Book for Kids. Brett Hofstadt has a unique fusion of a technical and creative background with achievements in aeronautical engineering, project management, corporate innovation initiatives, and music composition. We talk about Brett and Jonathan's backgrounds in aerospace engineering and technology, respectively. Brett's passion for encouraging people into STEM careers and Jonathan's passion for smart cities and how the two came to meet to co-author this book. Brett and Jonathan tell us what a smart community is to them and we discuss the importance of big bold ideas in smart communities. We also talk about how important children are in contributing to driving change in this space. Brett and Jonathan then give us an overview of their book and how children can benefit from it before sharing some narratives from the book. We then discuss the importance of creating active citizens at an early age by teaching children about cities and communities, how they can contribute to making communities smart, and how teachers may benefit from their book as a resource to teach their students. We finish our chat discussing the emerging trends of using drones and self-driving cars in our communities and more transparency around product and service development in cities. As always, we hope you enjoy listening to this episode as much as we enjoyed making it. Welcome to the smart community, smart regions, smart towns, and smart cities. It's where we live, work, and play with smart communities. The future starts today. Big data, smart mobility, emerging trends galore. The Smart Community Podcast is what you're looking for. Hello, Brett, and hello, Jonathan. Thank you so much for joining me on the Smart Community Podcast. Well, it's great to be back, Zoe. I'm delighted to be here with my co-author. Yep. Thank you, Zoe. It's a thrill and privilege to be here with you. Excellent. Well, let's just jump straight in. And Brett, can you tell us about your background and what you're passionate about? Sure. Well, uh, so briefly, my background is in the aerospace engineering industry. Uh, that's my background with two degrees. I'm fortunate to have a, about three patents also from my work with uh, aviation. And in 2014, I decided to turn my passions into books. So I wrote my first book, which was called How to Be a Rocket Scientist, because I've always been uh, passionate about encouraging people, younger people and people I work with to pursue STEM careers, you know, unleash their full potential, uh, be a mentor to others. So after over 20 years in the industry, I, I wrote that book as a career advice guide. And since then, I've 
found that it was more fun and more effective to work or create books for younger audiences. So I started making puzzle and activity and game books for kids on other STEM topics. So first it was space exploration, but then I moved into things like cybersecurity and uh, drones and uh, other STEM topics. So one of the topics on my list that was a big passion of mine was smart cities. And so I was looking for an expert, somebody great to work with who could help me and work with me to, to build something together for kids. And so that's, that's how I introduced myself to Jonathan. And he can, he can tell you more about that. <laughs> he found me. <laughs> yes, that's so exciting. And now Jonathan has been on the podcast at least twice. This is your third time, I reckon. And you were also the keynote at our 100,000 downloads party. So, you know, you basically, well, not even basically, you are part of the Smart Community Podcast family. So it's exciting to have you back on. But just in case people don't know who you are, tell us about you and what you're passionate about. Well, thanks a lot. Uh, yeah, no, I always enjoy our conversations. It was lovely when you traveled here to the US and we, we got to spend time together as well. That was uh, uh, just great. Yeah, I, I'm a tech guy. I uh, spent about 30 years in various roles in tech. And uh, innovation has been this big theme through my whole career. I even have the title of innovation director at, uh, at a big uh, public accounting firm, uh, but focused on tech innovation specifically, not just the broader, not the broader topic. Uh, I had a, this weird opportunity, or I say weird, it, it sort of was something that came from left field. I got a, a headhunter called me one day and asked if I'd be interested in uh, considering an opportunity in a city as a, as a city technology leader, a chief information officer and chief technology officer. And it, you know, I was always interested in, in the public sector and in public service, but I hadn't actively pursued anything. And uh, anyway, you know, the, the story goes, uh, I took it, you know, the city took a risk on me, I took a risk on them, and, and it worked out really, really well. What's interesting about my story in regard to cities is, you know, whatever job I have, I'm, I'm, I'm a thousand percent in, I'm all in. Uh, and that was my mission with uh, the city that I was hired for. But I didn't anticipate that I would fall in love with this topic and, and really recognize how important our cities are and, and increasingly will become in terms of what it means to have the human experience. And so that's the big surprise and did that for you know just a little less than a decade. Uh, then I got the chance to, uh, well, it was, it was perfect timing for me to think about my next thing. The city manager who him and I were sort of the, the duo who really pushed the frontiers, pushed the boundaries of what was possible in urban innovation, he was retiring. And I'd been there for a while and it was time for me to be thinking about my next thing. And the other element was I wanted to scale this work. I wanted to do more than just one city. I'd got the you know the bug. I'd, I'd, I'd have the opportunity to work with some other cities on the side as you know side projects, but I wanted to do that more full time. So I left, and after kind of thinking about a whole variety of different options, decided to start my own business and uh, focus on uh, education broadly, but helping communities around the world uh, build solutions to some very intractable issues and. And, and so that kind of brings me up to today, I guess. Mm. Yes. And I think I was just trying to remember, I know we talk about this every time you come on the podcast, where, where I came across you, I think it was just on LinkedIn, wasn't it? And then I was fortunate enough to come visit, which was 
super exciting. And then I know we're talking about another book today, but I have to mention this book, which is Smart Cities for Dummies, which you wrote. And I was one of the technical reviewers on, which was a really just a lovely project to be involved in. And that was last year, wasn't it, that we did that? Yeah, it was. Uh, and, and by the way, you were exactly the right person to do it. And it was your work was brilliant. And I, uh, you know, I, I thank you that time. And I'm thanking you again right now. <laughs> thank you so much for the amazing work you did. Thank you. No, it was lots of fun. And I really enjoyed it. And yes, I like to, I have handed this book out to my friends and family for Christmas presents and birthday presents, which, you know, they love. I guess. Well, they don't tell me otherwise. So <laughs> well, people, people often ask me, what do you do? And so I just give them this book and then they work it out. <laughs> this is an explanation of what is your driving force, why you do what you do. Yeah, that's great. Hopefully your enthusiasm wears off on them, right? Exactly. Exactly. It's like, get them in. Um, but okay, we are going to talk about the other book. But first of all, let's go broad. And Brett, can you tell me what a smart community is to you? Well, I'd say a smart community is a community that uses the best of technologies for the benefit of all of its citizens. Mm, I love that. How's that? That's beautiful. I like the best of technologies. Also reminds me of like, you know, the best of the 80s or something. But but also I think it is the best of and whatever best means, it's not necessarily the most advanced or or the whatever. It's like, well, what is the best of the things that we have available or things that are coming to benefit the majority or all of our citizens, which is really important. Right. Well, I, yeah, I think would say what I think we really need to do is be advocates and proponents for technology, but also remember that the people have to come first, that technology should serve the people, not the reverse. So that's what we hopefully, I believe, uh, made clear in our book, uh, Exploring Smart Cities, activity book for kids. It's all about helping our cities thrive and the people in those cities thrive and prosper with smart cities and uh, finding a way, helping people and kids especially to see that they they have a role in this future. Mm, absolutely. And Jonathan, how about you? Yeah, he said, that was really good. That was really well said. I would, uh, let's see. Look, I love that definition. Uh, I think that's a really good one to that I think captures the spirit of what this work is about and why it's so important. Maybe I would just say, you know, cities are increasingly the most important context for the human experience, for our future. Despite what the pundits might say about cities being less popular because of COVID, I don't think that's the case. The evidence says to me cities are only and communities in an urban context are only going to become more and more important uh, in the in the decades ahead. The problems are really big. You know, these are issues of things like the climate, like energy, transportation, things like buildings, future of work, you know, economics. This is a really big topic. And it's one of the reasons I love it. It's so diverse and, and the problems are so uh, meaningful to solve for people. So I'd say the context means that we have to come up with new solutions. Um, you know, uh, I, I, I'm known for the saying, you know, we, we can't apply 20th century solutions to 21st century problems. And that's what drives the work. We have to have new ideas. Uh, so I would just add to Brett's excellent definition that uh, it's not only, it's technology is at the core of this, of course, that's 
driving a lot of change and, and helping society in many ways. But ideas in general, bold ideas to change the game, I think is really key here. Mm. Yeah, I agree. I think sometimes we get stuck in thinking about, you know, kind of small issues or small problems that we can solve with technology or data or making better decisions. But actually, we need to feed that into these really big, massive, wicked problems that we that we have and that won't go away by ignoring them, but actually thinking of new ways to do things and big and bold things as well. And one of the conversations we had, Jonathan, I don't know if you remember when we were sitting in whatever cafe it was, a diner, it reminded me of, like an American movie that I watched when I was a kid, was that like not to be worried about being too bold and too big because that's actually what we need in this space and that we we need to be i guess thinking you know if we if people aren't scared by our ideas or like shocked by how big and bold and you know oh wow that's really interesting how can you think so big then we're not thinking big enough and that really inspired me to continue i guess what i was doing so i just want to say thank you for that but also that this this whole space that's what we need to keep doing and that's how the next generation of things began to happen you know even when you know if we go back in time it wasn't oh we just had a small idea it was like oh we had this big idea and it may be you know made up of these tiny little increments but actually the big bold thing at the end of it is something that we need to continue to aspire to and i say that because kids are really good at this right they are really good at having those huge ideas because they haven't been stomped down by society to say that's too that's too big or that will never happen that's you know you're too much and so i think that's i'm excited for this book so then we can get some of those ideas and get some of those things rolling with kids and their big bold ideas mm -hmm. yep uh, if i could say something zoe that uh so one of my inspirations I try to learn from people throughout my career. And there was a manager at Boeing where I used to work who had a great quote. I like to collect quotes, basically. There's a little nuggets of wisdom. But he said uh, something I love. He said, the most interesting ideas come from the most interesting people, uh, or they tend which to. Which are kids. <laughs> which are kids, yep. And so I do agree with you completely that uh, kids can bring a whole new perspective to things. And they also, they're not weighed down by all the history that we have as adults of you know years and years of education and assuming the way things have to be a certain way they can bring a fresh look to things and we need that fresh look today in our cities and so that's why in our book actually we have a lot of open-ended questions and discussion topics that are it's not just uh, you know there are crossword puzzles and word searches and word scrambles and mazes and those kind of traditional games and activities but we also have open-ended discussion, idea generation exercises. So, That's right. You know, back in 2013, I was uh, working in, in, in a city and uh, I had this idea to have this uh, kind of uh, old city hackathon. <laughs> We're going to shut down the whole downtown area and bring in all sorts of people to uh, work on uh, various uh, city challenges. And I wanted to make sure that we uh, invited all types of people from every part of the community and even beyond. And one of the areas I wanted to get to was in front of the kids, uh, you know, the kids and the teenagers in the schools. And so I called around and they invited me to come in and speak to the youth groups. 
And in this, in this case, it was, you know, they were in the, they were in the teenage years, I would say. And it's fantastic how much, you know, they have these little uh, committees that they, they've, they've actually, you know, school governance and stuff. It's, it's really cool how it all works. Um, so I came in as a guest uh, to do my little pitch to say, hey, we want you to be part of this, this amazing uh, weekend activity in the community. And uh, as you can imagine, they were all enthusiastic about it. But two things emerged that were surprising. One was they were so grateful because they'd never been invited to be part of anything in the city. Uh, it's like they were ignored. Like if you're under you know, 18 or under 22, it's like you don't count. And well, I'm here to dispel that. You know, if you're if you're listening to this podcast or watching us on video and you have a role in a government or in a city uh, or in a community, bring your kids in. They want to be. Bring the teenagers into the conversation. Uh, and they've they've and we, it turns out they have fantastic ideas and, and they are very passionate about their communities. The second learning was when we had sort of the competitive side to it and they had to actually build solutions, 30% of the participants were under 18. And, and that was like, to me, when people ask, Jonathan, how do you measure success? I said, that was it right there. <laughs> it wasn't so much that we actually built anything that, you know, certainly we built stuff and we, we solved problems. But to me, the answer was we actually invited and got participation from that community. So I've always felt this way. It was just, I had to wait until Brett invited me <laughs> to, to write about it and actually get kids all over the world uh, on the same page and, and try to inspire them that we ended up, you know, writing this, uh, this book. Excellent. Okay, let's talk about the book. So who wants to go first? We need full 101 on the book. <laughs> Brad, do you want to go ahead? Well, okay, I was going to ask you to start, Jonathan, but I'm happy to. Okay. <laughs> you start. I'll fill in. Okay. And in and, and fairness, Brett did share a little bit of the content there just a few moments ago. So yeah, he so he finds me, calls me up, said, how do I consider writing a kid's book? I said, I, you know, uh, clearly I want to reach as many people as possible. This was not on my agenda, but he convinced me and I'm very pleased that you did, and, uh, Brett, and, and we have an amazing product as a result. And so, you know, I looked at his other work and I did a bit of research around activity books. Uh, turns out this is a big market. Uh, you know, parents buy these books in volume for their children. Children love them. Now I had the opportunity to help raise a, a little girl a few years ago and um, I know how much you know coloring and and connecting dots and filling in uh, crosswords and things is just something that, that you know even in a digital world where kids are kind of hooked to their to their smartphones and tablets, uh, they still will uh, be engaged if you if if you give them these activities, these interactive activities. So the you know the the, the thesis was you know let's introduce this topic to kids of all ages. We have the you know you could say you could write a book for like from seven to nine-year-olds or something, right? And, and, and be very deliberate. We wanted to reach a larger uh, age group, like a, a, a larger span, right? So we, we started three years old and I'm hearing about 12-year-old kids who are liking it. So the book can reach anywhere from three to 12-year-olds. And, and, and it's organized around a little bit of the history of cities. Why did cities emerge? I and mean, that's, we all should ask that question because cities, they only arrived 10,000 years ago. We, you know, we've been around 200,000 years. Then you've got cities today and what do they look like? And then we kind of build a case for the issues and the challenges that we all face. And then we get into the third part of the book, which is, well, look where we might be going. Here are some of the incredible uh, things that are emerging. Everything from, we talk about drones and we talk about sensors, the internet of things. We mentioned things like 
the role of data and uh, computer networks. So we, we get quite contemporary. Um, and it's done all through this idea of uh, a sort of a, a rhymed narrative. So these are rhymes. <laughs> and then on the right side are kind of reinforcement activities that are fun. And and I, you know, one, one of my friends sent me a video of his, the, one of the kids, uh, you know, doing some of the activities. And he asked the child, do you, do you like the book? And I, she said, I love the book. And then the kid, and then, yeah, the father said, are you learning anything? And, you know, I think the child was four, said, no, I'm not learning anything. The key thing is they don't know they're learning. That's the beautiful thing. She's actually learning a ton. In this case, she she was doing a maze which traces how water gets to your sink, right? Where does water come from, right? And and she was doing that, and she doesn't know that she's actually learning it, uh, which is what we discovered later on. So that's the kind of the big arc. Uh, Brett, what would you add to that? Yeah, I think that's great, Jonathan. Uh, what I didn't really plan on when we started this project was the suggestion from Jonathan that we make it into a narrative to talk about the history of cities and cities today. And then, but the bulk of the book is about cities of the future and of tomorrow with you know, smart cities. And so it's, it's really, I think of it like two books in one really, because there are poems and rhymes that you could just uh, could imagine kids using it as a bedtime book every night, even whether or not they've done the activities, they can enjoy it many times over. And then, but then there's the interactive activities on the right hand page that will keep them busy for many, many hours, I'm sure. And there's a lot indoor activities. There's also outdoor activities. We have a scavenger hunt, a bingo game, and uh, things to get them out into the world. So I'm a big believer in the combining the old school with the new school, you know, doing the, the, uh, what's the word? The, uh, the manual. Oh, the, the analog, yeah. Manual, analog, analog and digital. That's what I was looking for. So, I think it's a nice, it's a whole brain. We also were intentional about trying to make it a whole brain activity book with left brain, right brain, you know, analytical activities as well as well as creative artistic activities. Mm-hmm. I love it. And I, I can see my nephew having a lot of fun. He's not quite three yet, but we'll, we'll start him early and he'll be an expert in no time. I'm keen for one of or both of you to read some of these narratives out of the book so who would like to do that well we'll we'll do maybe one each perhaps there's a lot of quick quick little story by the way (laughs) behind the rhymes the book was written in prose it actually was a story a narrative and i don't know you know we we were when you put the book together you have to we have a kind of a framework to put it together and i was reading through the text and i don't know what or what inspired it but i said to myself (laughs) basically i was sitting in front of this uh, page and I said, "What could I rhyme it? Could it be a rhyme like a Doctor Zeus type rhyme?" So I, I gave it a shot. I found it very hard to do that. I never, I mean, just because I'd never done that before, and but it kind of worked and it was a little bit funny, but it was also very meaningful. And then I got on a call with uh, Brett, I think the next day, and uh, I said, "You take a look. What do you think? Should we do it?" <laughs> you know, in a way, I wanted them to say no because if you said yes, I'd be rhyme. You know, be but we'd both be rhyming an entire book, which is. Quite the end. Well, we end up doing it. We end, we end up writing the whole damn thing. And it's, I'm happy we did because it's brilliant. It's it, like it, it it actually just made the book so so much better. So it's got that Doctor Zeus feel. And I, so I'll give you uh, one here. This is just kind of characteristic of how we how we rhyme and the things we say. And this this is in in the history of cities. The, the first part of the book. So it goes like this: uh, Conditions could be unhealthy in early places. 
and this put a frown on too many faces. Some of the streets were awfully smelly and made many people sick in the belly. Too many crooks were engaged in crime. This was unpleasant and lasted for some time. Right, so a little bit of history there through verse. And then on the right side of the page, we have you know activities around these, these points we're making. Brett, what have you got? Yep. Right, let's see. How about maybe one from the, the third section with technology? So here's a page. The title is called Technology to the Rescue. And it goes, sensors, smartphones, and various computers. These are technologies that are defining our futures. Technology can be good or bad, depends on where you sit. In our smart city future, let's make sure there's a benefit. <laughs> I love that. That's so good. I laugh at them. <laughs> I've read them a thousand times. I still laugh at them. <laughs> Hope you like that. Yeah. We like it. It's super cute. I like it a lot because also, you know, sometimes with these smart city things, all we do is focus on the positives, whereas we've, you brought that in from the very beginning. And I, and I love that. And it rhymes. So you just get that stuck in your head and then you go, oh, yeah, that's right. We need to make sure there's a benefit. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what uh, hopefully a lot of people appreciate is that we are not, it's not all butterflies and roses in the book. You know, there, we do address and tackle head on that there's challenges we have to meet and there's, you know, there's uh, cities are, you know, have their challenges with and without technology. So uh, we need, I think that's hopefully a message out of the book is that we really want kids and families to be active participants in, in the future for themselves and for everyone. Yeah. And that's so key because, you know, just me flicking through the book at the moment, when we start thinking and talking about where does our water come from? Where does our energy come from? How do we actually get around? You start thinking about the things within your community. And if you start doing that at a very young age, then you can start questioning these things as you get older and understanding that, you know, food doesn't come from the fridge, it comes from, you know, a farm or whatever the case is. And I think that's really important to instill that active citizen from a very young age and, and then continue to bring that through uh, as they get older. Because as we, as you were talking about, Jonathan, like your tick of success is that you've got like people under 18 participating in community activities. And also then hopefully that even if it's just one thing that they go, oh, actually, I realize now that my city does this and I'm going to participate in another way, or maybe it's encouraging their parents then to get involved and vote or whatever the case is, but bringing that stuff in early. So it's not just something that, you know, what your local government does is just, oh, well, they just do that over there and I just live here. It's, no, this is all about me, all about me, all about my community rather. And I can be involved as much as I want to be because I feel empowered to do that. And I think that's really important. Yeah, I couldn't say it better. That's You said that beautifully. Yep. And there's, uh, I mean, I know Jonathan has done this in cities with you know innovation hackathons and competitions, and there's a lot of cities that do that. I, I love those. And there's many stories of kids who join these or even maybe they're college kids or even high schoolers, but you know, they there's nothing stopping them today from developing a mobile app to you know, figure out the water usage in the community or something about city streets, you know, and they, they can deliver real solutions for our communities. So, I mean, that's what, I mean, in, in a way that this is what contemporary technology enables is, you know, this democratization of, of solutions. And before, you know, pre sort of the age we live in now, 
you have to leave solutions up to others because they have the money and the resources and the power to do it. That's not the case here in the you know, third decade of the 21st century. If you want to solve a community problem, or if you're frustrated by one, solve it. Step up, you know. And, and really, I'm just echoing more of both your points. Uh, you, you know, apps, data, and sensors, and uh, a whole variety of new tech allows us all to be part of the solution rather than to complain and point elsewhere. Because you know, there, there is no other. There's just us, right? And helping kids realize that is powerful. Really, really powerful. That you know that they can do this. I, I think the other aspect, and this comes out a lot in the book, something that, you know, I, I wish I had had more exposure to. And, you know, we, we did ensure that teachers were involved in the creation of the book and that this is aligned with typical curriculum that you ask the kids are, are, you know, with their, whoever their guardian is or their friends or their school environment, that they ask questions like, where does the trash go? You know, when you have a plastic bottle and you throw it into a, in a trash can, where's it going? You know, or when you put the tap on to wash your face or brush your teeth, you know, uh, where's that word coming from? You know, uh, two, I think up until, you know, the latter part of the 20th century to us, it just seemed like magical. It was abundant. Just throw something away. Someone will take care of it. Uh, run the tap, you know, with the water, there's plenty of drinking water. This is not the world we live in today. We have to be much more conscientious of that. And the best place to start is with young kids have, because once they are thinking about, where the water is coming from, you know, at five, six, seven years old, or where the trash is, they're going to act differently, perhaps. Uh, you know, I think the evidence is they will act differently when they have more information. Mm. And also then encouraging their adult family friends to do the same. And I, I think the other point I wanted to touch on was if they start uh, the questioning, right? We know kids love to ask questions and as adults, depending on on what it's about, we sometimes lose that questioning ability, but hopefully we can pick that up again, particularly when we're talking about technology and smart cities and all that type of thing. Because for me, using technology to manage our resources better and more effectively and more efficiently, particularly in, in government, is so important. And it's getting to a point now where it's no longer good enough to be doing something inefficiently just because we haven't looked at how tech and data could help us do that, or even just communication or you know breaking down silos or whatever, all those things that smart community thinking and, and those concepts come in. And I think kids will push us to do that because I'll just go, what do you mean? Like, it, that doesn't make any sense. Why can't you, you know, talk to like this department, talk to that department? And they won't use that language, of course. But they'll just go, what? What do you mean? Like, what we, we're not recycling things or, or whatever it is, you know, or we're not reusing things or we're just buying more stuff. Like, what's happening here? And so I think that'll be more and more the case. And so we'll have to have answers for those. And we know that we can't bamboozle. Like, you know, we, we're not bamboozling anybody as we get older and, and as, you know, governments have tried to explain away things that just don't make sense to kids and, and young adults that, they're not just going to go, oh, okay, no worries. And then, you know, go to the next thing. They're going to keep fighting for it. And I think that's really key and really important. Good point. Well, I think hopefully both of us working on this book, we could see that we see plenty of needs for jobs to be done and solutions to be made. And so hopefully I think we've both said that, you know, there could be a future city manager who's using this book and enjoying it, learning about things, a, a utility manager or 
a chief information officer again or somebody like that. So there's, or community leader of some kind. It could be uh, you know, someone who just decides, hey, we're throwing out far too much food out of our restaurants and you know, our trash every day. Let's figure out something better, smarter to do with it. So that's uh, hopefully this will be the spark that, that lights the fire in a lot of kids. Yes, I can see that happening as well. And even just going, oh, I didn't realize that, you know, I could get involved in technology in this way. And obviously that's not what they'll say, but they'll just go, oh, well, yeah, I read this book that had this thing about sensors and actually that's really cool. I want to jump in and be involved in that. And, you know, maybe there's a, a coding group or whatever, which maybe they'd never heard of coding before. I certainly hadn't when I was a child, but even just having that exposure to, oh, actually I've read this before somewhere. How can I get involved in that? So, yeah, exciting. Okay. And uh, I'll mention one more thing that I did mention. We did work with teachers in the book. We had some great teachers who were reviewers for us in the early version. And the book really got an entirely new rewrite in the version that's out there on Amazon today with their input. So I would just encourage other teachers out there, if you're looking for something, a lot of teachers and districts in the United States, I know. They have a they have specific sections about cities and communities that they teach kindergartners, first and second graders. So we did incorporate that feedback and suggestions from teachers to put elements from those sections into the book. So hopefully this would be a great resource for teachers and classrooms as well that are looking for a way to modernize what they have to teach and also hopefully make it more engaging and fun for their students because now they can students can occupy themselves with these activities and still be learning about the curriculum. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, I can see it being a really valuable resource across the board from yeah parents to teachers to other education facilities and that type of thing as well. So no, that's really good. Okay, we're going to zoom to the future now. I know we're running a bit over, hopefully you're both okay on this Friday night for you, Sunday afternoon for me. Well, let's aim to the future. Let's talk about the emerging trends that people aren't talking about enough. Maybe, Jonathan, do you want to start us off? Yeah, uh, happy to. Is There's a couple of ways to think about this. One is sort of near-term future, and then there's really long-term uh, future. I've been talking a lot about drones recently. I think city leaders and other stakeholders in the, in the urban space uh, need to kind of kick this topic up a notch, you know, in their priorities and, and in their actions. It feels very much like it's happening on the technological side, certainly happening uh, in the experimentation phase with a lot of vendors, uh, whether it's, you know, FedEx or UPS and others. But the city side is kind of like they we often do is in a reactive mode. And what it feels like is it's going to happen faster than people think, uh, both the aerial drones and then the terrestrial too. And you know, if I could just uh, enlighten city leaders, you know, these things are going to have a noise. You know, we think we can fix the noise over time, but there's there's a noise element to it. There's a there's a risk element. They, they could their motors could go and they could drop. Uh, there's going to be questions of privacy, right, and and regulation uh, where it can fly and stuff. Now's the time to get on that. So so I think I think that's one of the areas that you know is kind of futurist a little bit. You know, in the future, but not so far. And it's going to happen fast. So, so preparing, experimenting, regulating, or, or at least you know, drafting regulation, working with your regional and national authorities around drones, I think is is, is really important. You know, 
longer term, let me see. I, I was it's kind of related. I was I was gonna I'll stay with my theme, which is autonomous vehicles. Again, this actually probably more than drones is something people are more familiar with. This idea that cars are gonna drive themselves, but all vehicles will drive themselves. You know, somebody sent me an article uh, about two weeks ago or so saying there's a lot of a lot of skepticism that this will ever happen. And I rejected it outright because I said it's already happening. What you're debating something that's taking place, like not, not something that might happen. And you know, Waymo, the, the Google spin-off, uh, has a on-demand service in the city of Phoenix, one of the biggest American cities. You can call up on your phone a Waymo, it'll come and pick you up and drive you anywhere in the city, anywhere and drop you off. Fully, 100 percent you know, level six or five or six autonomous. So this is another area where cities need to be thinking deeply about what it means to their communities when these come. How can they support the vendors? How can they support their communities? Uh, so I think, you know, again, maybe not uh, a news flash in any way, but I think I am encouraging some greater urgency on the side of uh, city uh, and community stakeholders. Mm. And I mean, particularly with autonomous vehicles, I think one of the key things is that we want to shape how they come. The technology is improving. There's still a lot of, I guess, nuance and complexity because as, you know, as human drivers, we make mistakes in and something that we can, you can't control everything, obviously, in that dynamic environment. But I think thinking about how we can shape what we want it to look like, because we have the opportunity to now. It's not going to just, well, hopefully, if we can do that, it's not going to show up on our doorstep and then we have nothing, and city leaders and communities have no say in how or what happens. And I think that's really important to go, well, actually, it's not this, you know, sci-fi thing that might happen. We need to get involved now so we can shape it. We need to start talking about the potential, the risks, the opportunities, how it integrates with active transport, with public transport. And like you said, it won't just be cars, it'll be all, potentially all vehicles driving themselves. So that's buses, trains. I mean, trains are doing it now, have been for years. You know, even mining vehicles have been doing it for years. Farm vehicles have been doing it for years. So it's like this building and this momentum. But then it's like, well, okay, do we want our cities to just be built around now autonomous vehicles instead of manually driven? My answer would be no. We want to build communities around communities and different ways of getting around and how that then fits how autonomous vehicles can fit into that system that we've created. So I think that's, yeah, it's a really key one. What would you say, Brett? I'd say I, I like Jonathan's answer a lot. I'd say the other, the non-technical issues are the, the uh, transparency with plans as cities and as technology companies are developing these products and services. I think we really, we need to have more conversations and dialogue about these within a community so that we have full engagement from all the citizens and stakeholders. And that is a messier job. It takes more time. It slows things down. But that's the only way you can get to a better future when everybody has buy-in and awareness of what's happening. And, uh, you know, they otherwise there's going to be people that have uh, skepticism or fear or uh, just you know, resistance to what will happen. So I think we... It's a kind of a meta answer. I think what we're not talking about enough is actual talking and listening and dialogue about what's happening. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think it's really important because it's, you know, both sides of the coin there where it's like technology, but then shaping what we want it to look like. And that includes 
involving the communities that it's going to affect the most. And then also it's an informing you know, piece as well. So then it's not like uh, that transparency and the, and the fear from you know the unknown, which obviously you can't solve all of the unknown because, you know, there's so many unknown unknowns, but bringing that education piece into it so then people feel like they can get involved in the conversation is really key. Yeah. Well, I think you're, you're a huge part of that value, Zoe, with your podcast. So thank you very much. It's you're providing a great service and value to everybody. So thank you. Thank you. I didn't pay them to say that, I promise. <laughs> no, it was one of the reasons I started the podcast. I wanted, you know, people like my mum to be able to listen and learn about smart cities and communities, but also, you know, CEOs of big tech companies to listen and get something out of it as well. And then also connect people together because we are talking about a lot of different things. There's so many things happening. Like Jonathan said, you know, this space is so broad. There's so much, you know, so much happening, so much you can't possibly keep on top of all of it. So I wanted a space to be able to help people connect together as well. So I have really enjoyed having both of you on the podcast. So thank you so much for coming on and we'll put all the links in the show notes for people uh, to go and find the book. And I look forward to giving it to my nephew for his birthday very soon. But yeah, thanks again for coming on to the Smart Community Podcast. Well, thank you for having us, Louie, and being such a champion and advocate for smart communities. Thank you. Thank you. Now, I have one last question, which is how can people connect with you? Brett, do you want to go first? Well, so for the book uh, we have, it's Exploring Smart Cities Activity Book for Kids. That's available on Amazon. But we have a website that uh, we encourage people to go to where they can find other information and resources, and we'll have more coming there too. That's smartcitybook.com slash kids. And so you can get in touch with us, with both of us there. But uh, for myself, you can find me, uh, Brett Hofstadt, on LinkedIn or Twitter. Uh, I'm the only Brett Hofstadt on LinkedIn, as far as I know. And on Twitter, my handle is Brett RocketSci with uh, two T's for Brett and RocketSci. Jonathan, how about you? I'm, I'm pretty easy to get to uh, through any of those social media channels. Uh, Twitter is at Reichenthal, pretty straightforward, and, and, and LinkedIn, of course. If uh, the book should be available in, well, everywhere, uh, that's our hope. We want it to be everywhere, it should be available in Australia uh, as well through Amazon. In the event that it isn't, because sometimes it's hard to get for whatever reason, if you do go to the smartcitybook.com forward slash kids, there's an email address there too, or a way for you to reach out to us. And uh, we will find a way to get you the book. We will make sure that we can get you the book. So don't let that be a reason uh, if you don't see it on your, you know, your local website or uh, local bookstore. Excellent. Well, we'll put all the links in the show notes so people can click away and find you. And yeah, thanks so much for coming onto the podcast. Uh, I hope you both enjoy your Friday night and I look forward to our next conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We'll talk soon. See you. Bye. The Smart Community Podcast is brought to you by My Smart Community. If you're looking for support in podcast strategy and production, workshop design and facilitation, or communication and media advisory, get in touch. Email hello at mysmart.community or head to www.mysmart.community. 
Thanks so much for listening to the Smart Community Podcast. Show notes for this episode and all other episodes are available on our website, mysmart.community slash podcast. If you have any questions for us or any of our guests, you can email hello at mysmart.community. You can also find us on the socials. We are on LinkedIn and Twitter at SmartComHQ. That's com with two M's. If you are enjoying the podcast, please hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. And we would love for you to leave us a rating and review at wherever you listen. This really helps us reach more ears and eyes. So thank you for your support. As always, we hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as we enjoyed making it. The Smart Community Podcast is what you're looking for.